0: Hello and welcome back. You're listening to the ACAP Coffee Break with Meg Murray, a podcast from the Association for Community-Affiliated Plans. Thanks for listening. Our guest today is Chad Westover, the CEO of University of Utah Health Plans. Here's Meg. So welcome to the ACAP Coffee Break podcast. We have with us today Chad Westover, who is the CEO of the University of Utah Health Plan, as well as the chair of our Strategic Communications Committee. So welcome, Chad. Chad.
1: Thanks, Meg. Good to be here.
0: So, this is a podcast where we ask our CEOs, "How did you get to be a CEO, and why healthcare?" So, I'll start with that. I'm always fascinated. Why did people choose healthcare when there's so many other industries they could have chosen?
1: Yeah, it. Um, this will date me a bit, so I'm glad this is just audio only. Um, but it actually started uh, with the Clinton healthcare reform bill in the early '90s. I was on uh, Capitol Hill working actually uh, my first job postgraduate. And <clears throat> I was, uh, I'd worked on the Senate side, and then I came over to the House side. And healthcare was one of the many issues I had. And the Clinton healthcare bill came up. And, and that was my bill. And I got uh, a great chance, a great opportunity to um, be in a lot of meetings with a lot of smart people on healthcare. And it seemed to be a fascinating yet intractable problem that the country has. And, and that really started my interest in healthcare, um, is trying to primarily solve the problem of the uninsured and solve the problem of cost, quality, and access for healthcare. So it, uh, it led me into the, the direction of healthcare from, uh, from that point on.
0: And I know you spent time in both California and Utah, so you've definitely seen two different uh, philosophies about coverage of healthcare. Um, so maybe could you talk to us about how you ended up at the University of Utah?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I was able to go from uh, Washington DC and to Utah, governor working with Governor Leavitt. And Governor Leavitt had a health policy commission that he wanted to do some, uh, you know, on the ground reforms. And so um, that was a great opportunity uh, to be a little closer to the action uh, at the state level, but still on the policy side. Uh, And then um, the Children's Health Insurance Program came up. um, That was a Hatch-Kennedy bill um, at the federal level. And then I was uh, able to help implement that for the state of Utah and was asked to then run the program. So I was the uh, Utah's inaugural chip director uh, and uh, really loved that. Um, that was just so rewarding uh, because it gave me an opportunity to, to reach out to uh, not just those that are impacted, but, and importantly, those that are impacted, the, the moms and kids, especially in families that were able to uh, get the benefit, but also to the providers and the community. And, um, and so I did that for, uh, for several years and then went to California and worked uh, in California for uh, a health plan there, uh, WellPoint that actually became Anthem, uh, and, then, um, and then got a call from Molina. So I was with Molina in Utah for a few years, and then from there came to the University of Utah. So it's been somewhat full circle. I grew up in California, if anybody cares. So I, I kind of come ping pong back and forth. California to Utah um and uh, have just uh, really been fortunate along my career to work with great people um and be able to feel like I'm I'm doing something that is is uh, worthy of uh uh for, for those people that uh, that really need it so
0: well, you mentioned working with great people, and certainly um, Secretary and Governor Levitt is is one of those that's done great work, and I, I really admire him. But can you talk to me about some of the other leaders that you've seen and how you've tried to emulate them in your work?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that um, you know, thinking of of Governor Levitt for one is is someone that just really walks the talk and has a true passion for for what what he does. And, and I really did look up to him, uh, as a mentor of, of ways to take policy into action and then, um, how to get, uh, progress on, on initiatives. It's not just about having a good idea. It's about taking that idea and, and making it effective. And, and I think, um, Governor Levitt did that. Uh, I worked uh, on this on the Senate side uh, with both parties and committee work. And um, and that's really kind of what I take away is is from the policy to the practice. How how do we go from the one theory to the actual practice? And so as you look at legislative, as you look at uh, leadership styles and how people have tried to take good ideas and make them something valuable. Um, You know, I I do look at those that are are really looking for the benefit of of not just the aggrandizement of of oneself, but really what what it means for the community at large. Um, And, you know, there's just many, many stories, many examples I um, was – uh, privy to working with some you know just really great people and great leaders that really grounded me i think in the practicality of uh of ideas and how to really motivate others to take hold and and bring those to fruition and those
0: um leadership skills are certainly really needed in a time like we've had in the last year with the COVID crisis. And I know, um, I think it was in the very beginning, maybe last spring, there was also an earthquake in Utah <laughs> at the same time. So um, can you talk to us a little bit about how your plan handled these two disasters, one kind of chronic um, and ongoing and, and one that was more acute there with the earthquake?
1: Yeah. Yeah. As it, Being from California, I, I recognized exactly what it was uh, when, that, when the uh, ground started to shake and um you know there's always been a you know a big one around the corner in utah there's a large fault uh in utah as well so um you know you never you never know what you're going to get everyone has their natural disasters but yeah it was it was very fairly apocalyptic for uh you know with covid and then uh you know the earthquakes um it it rattled uh, a lot of people and a lot of our staff were um you know really disturbed by by everything that was going on because that was Near the beginning of the epidemic and where people were uh, having to switch locations. What I would say to kind of leadership during times of, uh, of disaster and, and when people are unsettled, communication is just extremely important. I know that's kind of bread and butter, but we started having daily phone calls uh, with staff. And so we were able to provide information and then I had other conversations uh, with the university's uh, system and the university at large. So I was able to bring that information on a daily basis uh, to staff. And we obviously have lengthened that, but we, we still have those calls weekly now. And <clears throat> we will until the pandemic is, is really over because for lack of information, people get nervous. They, they may make up answers and, uh, and spread that, uh, those uh, answers, quote unquote answers uh, to others. And, and I think they just need to know that even if we don't have anything new to share, that we're taking things seriously and, and that we uh, are, are able to give them the information that they need to at least make them feel comfortable. One of the things that, that we had to do on, you know, it seemed like it was just in a matter of minutes or a matter of, of days, we had to go from an in-office setting to an remote office s- setting, and I, you know, I don't know why, again, date, dating myself, I, I've, I've been a bit old school along the, that telecommuting side. I, I've always been a, you know, get in the office, roll up your sleeves and get to work. And I've been resistant to the telecommuting, um, full-scale telecommuting. But we, we were forced into it, right? We, we went into within a week, I think we had 95% of our staff in a telecommuting remote situation. And, and we kept very close tabs on performance levels. And, um, you know, I tell my, tell the staff all the time that, you know, you've proved me wrong. I'm, I'm glad, but you've proved me wrong that as we come out of the pandemic, uh, we'll be looking at, you know, a more flexible work environment, uh, because we can do it and we have done it and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be proven wrong. Um, so I guess one thing in leadership styles is you need to adapt and, uh, I, I'm glad at least I'm humble enough to adapt to to something where I I thought I was right, but I was wrong. And, you know, we can move forward and be, you know, more, I think more effective.
0: Well, I found too in leadership that, uh, letting people know that you were wrong, um, lets them make mistakes and and not be afraid of that. Um, so I think that that's a great thing for a leader to be able to yeah. articulate. Um, so is this ongoing COVID crisis continues and, and now, um, Maybe we're at the end of the the beginning of the end with the vaccine rollout. What is your plan doing to help with the vaccine rollout and how's it going in Utah?
1: Yeah, it's going well. We have, um, you know, we have, we're just starting on Monday uh, with our uh, 50 plus. uh, Right now we're going 18 plus for those with underlying conditions um and so as a as a health plan we are outreaching to uh members and community not just our members but members and the community um being an academic center i think people look to us uh, with a little bit more um uh, with a little more resolve to say what what do we need to do so as as we know uh the safety of the vaccines it's very important that uh, that we get out there and make sure people are aware of the science behind the vaccines and and what uh, help it will do to the community um, and this, the safety of the vaccine. So, um, yeah, we've run into some, you know, interesting theories of the vaccine um, that, uh, you know, kind of make you smile and chuckle, but it, it's a reality for some. And so uh, we You know, are in a very good position at the University of Utah to have uh, great science behind us, have uh, great researchers that lend a lot of credibility to the community and uh, allow people to really balance what they may have heard as as rumor with some of the science that uh, we're able to put forward. So um, anyway, the University of Utah is in a a very good position in in the state to, to be able to maybe quash some of those rumors that are out there.
0: Because of your link to the hospital system, are you able to make appointments for your beneficiaries or how do you help them actually get the appointment?
1: So it's, it's going to be through right now it's through the counties. So the county health departments uh, where they live uh, are administering the vaccine soon will be having appointments also through their physicians. So um, it's going to be twofold, uh, whereas it started and right now it's through primarily through the counties. For health workers, um, they have been able to get them through uh, the health systems. Um, so uh, the University of Utah provided uh, were provided the vaccines for, for their health workers. And the other health systems have done the same. But for the general population, it's it's being uh, done through the county health departments.
0: So it's a more centralized way than yeah. some of the other states. Yeah,
1: but it, it, it will be through the uh, the physicians offices. Uh, Down the road as well, but they're very aggressive. We're trying to make sure that, um, you know, everyone that wants to get one can get one optional, obviously, but um, it's just, uh, we're really trying to make sure they understand uh, the benefits and the science behind the vaccines.
0: So one of the things we always end our podcast here at ACAP is asking what books you're reading. And we have a Goodreads list. Um, You can friend ACAP on Goodreads and we have lots of interesting, uh, both fiction and nonfiction books that people are reading. So what's on your nightstand?
1: Well, um, you know, I juggle, um, but what I'm I'm enjoying most of is uh, the social animal by David Brooks. So um, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm uh, I don't know if I'm a groupie of David Brooks, but um, he's he's written uh, The Road to Character and The Second Mountain um, and then I'm in mean, The Social Animal. And um, I guess as I think about books and, and what it means is the the moderate voices it sounds kind of odd, but the moderate voices kind of speak to me. I think we have, we hear a lot from the extreme voices. Uh, it gets a lot of airtime on uh, on media. Um, but I think these moderate voices tend to be the ones, in my view at least, that bring us to some practical solutions and bring us to where we eventually end up after, after all the hyperbole uh, we end up going. So, um, you know, this is more of a, of a book about, meaning uh, or the meaning of our lives and how we interact with one another. And very interesting, great, a lot of uh, studies that he cites. um, And I think just David Brooks has a way of uh, taking taking the theory and helping us understand what it means to us. Um, And so, I mean, I recommend all of his books, but that's the one I'm on right now.
0: My, I have read his columns and I've heard about that book so I will add that to my reading list yeah as well. yeah it seems that ties back into what you were saying about Governor levitt and trying to make practical solutions uh, to to solve our problems and
1: working yeah I, I I guess sometimes sometimes I may need to stretch outside of my my comfort zone of moderation but uh, <laughs> I, I, I one time what governor Levitt said when we were trying to do the ch- children's health insurance program um, I, I said well, these are for kids. They're, it's not like they, they have a political ax to grind. Why aren't more people? Cause there were some that were opposing it. Why aren't more people supporting this? And, and, you know, I said, it's a, you know, a very moderate program. He says, do you know of any raging moderates? And so it, there's just not, you know, I, I think there needs to be a little more of those of us who like to try try to find the middle and find some practical solutions.
0: Well, we are glad you're part of ACAP because that's certainly where ACAP tries to be too. So we appreciate your uh, service to ACAP as well as I'm sure the people in Utah. So thank you for joining our podcast.
1: Great. Thanks, Meg.
0: Thanks for listening. You can find Chad's book recommendation and others on our Goodreads bookshelf. Find the link to that in the description of this podcast. Don't miss an episode. We'll be back in about two weeks with Eric Hunter of Care Oregon can find and subscribe to the ACAP Coffee Break wherever you get your podcasts. And when you do, give us a shout on Twitter using the hashtag #ACAPCoffeeBreak. We'll put you in a drawing for a Starbucks gift card. So the next time
1: you tune in, your coffee's on us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.